Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, We've got a new, fresh year ahead of us, and I think we're all very happy about that. I'm Monica Bay. I'm your host. I'm the editor-in-chief of Law Technology News here in New York with ALM. We have a terrific program today. We're, We're going to have two guests. We have the fabulous Cecil Lynn, who is suffering in the 60-plus degree weather in Phoenix, Arizona. We're so <laughs> we're so uh, upset about that. And then at the end of the program, Henry Dicker, our wonderful czar of all things legal tech, will come and give us a short legal tech preview. Um, before we start with wonderful Cecil, I want to remind you that you can find this podcast on three different sites at www.lawtechnologynow.com with our wonderful producer's site at legaltalknetwork.com and finally on iTunes. Um, so I've done with the housekeeping and I will introduce Cecil. Um, Cecil is of counsel at the aforementioned Arizona of Riley, Carlock, and Applewhite. I hope I pronounced that right. And we're going to be talking today about some of the most important rulings in um, 2009 affecting e-discovery. Cecil, before we dive into your review, uh, tell the listeners, if you would, a little bit about your background and how you got interested in e-discovery. Absolutely. Thanks, Monica. It's wonderful being here. And uh, I'm so uh, excited to have the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners today. Um, I started uh, practicing law, actually, was a criminal defense lawyer uh, for many years and then switched sides and and was a federal prosecutor before uh, striking out into uh, civil litigation um, and had uh, done uh, several uh, civil litigation matters, primarily commercial litigation, uh, employment, some entertainment uh, and sports litigation. And it always seemed that we came to roadblocks um, related to the production at that time of electronically stored information. Back in the good old days, uh, we really uh, didn't have our, our, I guess, the pulse on uh, preservation. We just back in those days, assumed it was there, and and, and oftentimes it was there, which was why we had such a difficult time producing the information. So um, I I started thinking that there had to be a better better mousetrap or a better way out there and uh, got myself into a pickle when some partners of mine said, well, great, it's uh, your job to to figure it out. So uh, that's how I got started, and uh, that's what led me me to uh, your doorstep. And tell us a little bit about what you do at uh, the law firm now. Well, here at the law firm, I am in the uh, commercial litigation department. Um, So I do a lot of uh, the traditional practice areas, uh, commercial litigation, uh, uh, employment law, uh, and still have uh, quite a a fairly robust entertainment practice. But uh, my practice actually focuses primarily on issues related to um, electronic discovery, uh, and records retention. So uh, I kind of wear two hats. One is um, with my general litigation practice, but the other is um, helping advise and manage uh, e-discovery in litigation. And uh, every January, LTN runs our our um, 
one of our three EDD showcases, and we always try to take a global perspective in the January issue. Our, our cover story is uh, the second year in a row with George Radoy and Michelle Mahoney, who are talking about Swim or Sink, and I encourage everybody to take a look at that. It is available at www.lawtechnologynews.com. And in this issue is your article called Back to the Future. Um, it's been about three years now since the amendments to the FRCP went through, and the theme of your article is that the 2009 rulings are pretty much reiterating established principles. And you start off the article, Cecil, talking about a call for cooperation. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what's going on? I know that's a clarion call for the Sedona Conference as well. Monica, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting in looking at the year review and, and reviewing all the cases collectively. The one kind of recurring theme that I saw was, you know, can we all get along? Can we all, before we come to court, uh, talk to each other um, about the issues? And I think that uh, Magistrate Judge Andrew Peck uh, from the Southern District of New York uh, really kicked off the year when he issued, uh, I guess, the wake-up call to lawyers. Um, and he said it's high time that lawyers uh, start engaging in deliberate thought and cooperation with opposing counsel. I was uh, in a case of William Gross Construction versus American Mutual Insurance. Um, and as you mentioned, Judge Peck referenced the Sedona Conference Cooperation Proclamation, which really is just all about encouraging lawyers to cooperate with one another and avoid kind of the unnecessary bickering and that back and forth that, that all of us um, that litigate cases, unfortunately, uh, are, are too familiar with. And it's interesting because uh, one would think that now that we're three full years into this, that there might be more progress. And by the way, um, Judge Peck was featured in our Up Close profile in the October issue, and he's very, very witty and one, and is also a diehard, if I remember correctly, Sherlock Holmes fan. So I highly encourage people to take a look at his profile. It was absolutely delightful. Um and he made quite an impact with that. I know our uh, Craig Ball, who is our e-discovery columnist, has also written quite a bit about uh, that episode. It, it, it sort of hit a, uh, it galvanized a lot of folks, I thought. And yet, despite that, and despite some of, of his colleagues, Judge Fascioli last year pretty much said the same thing at Legal Tech as our keynote speaker. And yet your article saying that in 2009, there was really no shortage of cases where, as you put it, the parties did little more than resort to cursory statements deferring any potential electronically stored information issues. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, if you would, and what you think is why you think that's still problematic? Well, it's interesting. I, I, it's a great question, I, and I kind of thought about it, and, and really, I think it's twofold. The first is I think that there are still a lot of practitioners out there who are not familiar with electronic discovery and may have attended a conference or uh, picked up some materials, and so they're using boilerplate material just to say, you know what, we have an obligation under Rule um, 26F of the federal rules, uh, or we may have an obligation inherent in state law, but um, until such time as this becomes apparent, 
um, we'll just defer it. And the other party is either saying to themselves, well, I don't know anything about electronic discovery, or says, I know a lot more than this other person. And strategically, I know that by the time this issue comes up, it may be too late. So I'm going to go ahead with that. And I, and I think it's really interesting because Last year, uh, Magistrate Judge Karen Humphreys from the District of Kansas, she made an interesting point, and a really simple one in the case of I Corporation versus Hudson Associate Consulting. And in that case, it's exactly what you described, Monica, um, a situation where they had really deferred um, e-discovery, and then the plaintiff brought sanctions uh, for the defendant's failure to produce information on a disk. The information apparently was on the disk, but was not readable. And so Judge Humphreys, you know, stated that when she reviewed the motion and talked to the parties, there was no indication that they had even discussed the issue of what was and wasn't on the disk prior to going into court, and neither one could assign blame. Nobody knew whose fault it was. So she said, look, guys, just talk to one another in good faith um, and figure out what the problem is. And, and one of the really interesting things is she noted that both parties use different computer systems um, from the, the, the vaunted TV ads. One was a Mac, the other was a PC. Um, and I think that's indicative of, of what we're seeing in 2009 and hopefully won't see more of in 2010 is parties just not taking the time to talk to each other about the potential problems and pitfalls um, that they may see with electronic discovery. I think there's a lot of folks who are just still doing the wink, wink, gentlemen's agreements that they're not going to uh, do any electronic discovery. I mean, Judge Fascioli talked about that. Mike Arkfeld, I think, is recently is about a year ago, said that he thinks, and I'm, I'm quoting from memory, so I may not have the figure exactly right, but I believe he said that 97% of lawyers still aren't doing any or effective uh, EDD at all. Um, so it definitely is a problem. Um, will you be attending Legal Tech? Will we see you in New York uh, later? Uh, and I was going to say later this month, but it's actually next month. Yes, you will be. I will be uh, attending Legal Tech. I try to get out that way every year to learn uh, about what's new and exciting. Well, Cecil, I think you have one of the longest articles we published in LTN in a long time. Uh, you did a wonderful wrap-up of the 2009 cases. In fact, the full version is in our online website, which is www.lawtechnologynews.com, and we have a slightly abridged version in the print version. But uh, tell the readers, what uh, our listeners, what else that they can expect in your article, what other topics you've addressed. Well, you know, it kind of runs the gamut. Um, cooperation, again, uh, was a, a very big uh, part of the article. Um, we talk about uh, inaccessibility issues, obviously, the former production and things of that nature. Um, we also talk about uh, what's happening in the state courts. Um, 25 states um, now have some sort of e-discovery rulemaking, and although it's difficult to find uh, e-discovery rulings at the state court level because there's just not a lot of them, um, last year, the Texas Supreme Court got a lot of attention when it came out with the Enri Weekly Holmes case. I won't say that six times fast, but um, <laughs> there's a, a, a nice discussion of it uh, in the article. 
And uh, Craig Ball also wrote on that case and had a great headline for the article. Uh, He did it, The Eyes of Texas for ESI. And I didn't get it at first. I had to call him up and he had to educate me on the uh, one of the key Texas songs. So that was that was a lot of fun. If you don't know, Google it. Well, Cecil, I want to thank you so much for taking time from your very busy schedule. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing you in New York. Uh, We're going to have a great conference at Legal Tech New York. Um, Before I let you go, would you tell our readers a little bit about your blog and if you would give them your contact information in case they'd like to reach out to you? Well, thank you, Monica. Thanks so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. Um, I do have a blog. One of the ways I'm able to uh, put this article together is I actually um, research the e-discovery opinions that come out um, and post them on the blog um, as they come out, whether it be daily or weekly. Um, And the blog is updated as uh, new cases come out. And that uh, address is www.rcalaw.com backslash blog. Um, and you can reach me. My contact information is just clynn at rcalaw.com. Again, thanks, Monica. And the name of your blog is? It's called the eDiscovery Center. Great. Well, thanks again. And we will return shortly with Henry Dicker. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Hi, and we're back, and I'm still Monica Bay. Uh, We had a great conversation with Cecil Lynn in the first part of the show, and now I'm going to introduce Henry Dicker, who needs no introduction. He is the czar of all things legal tech, and I totally enjoy the opportunity to work with Henry on legal tech. Um, I'll be moderating two panels on the upcoming show. And I'm with no further ado, I'm going to turn it right over to Henry because I'm just so excited about what he's about to tell you that I'm going to let him tell you. Henry, go for it. Uh, thanks, Mom, uh, and welcome, everyone. I appreciate the time. Um, well, you know, I, I, without feel, we are certainly excited about legal tech this year. And I, I somehow feel like I'm going to be like that guy doing the ShamWow commercial. <laughs> with uh, with all the great things and the added values and you know act now and you get this and that but but really we are we are uh, tremendously looking forward to Legal Tech this year an incredible uh, educational program some fantastic um, uh, general sessions and keynotes uh, you know our day I think the big news is that the day three keynote that's uh, that's sponsored by Thompson we have. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, the author of Blink and the Tipping Point, uh, along with uh, Lisa Sanders uh, of uh, of the New York Times and David Craig of Thompson, um, talking about the convergence of intelligence and intuition and information. I, I think everybody has been, you know, a Twitter about that. And uh, Monica, I know that you're super excited about uh, about the. I've literally been a Twitter about it. I think I was on Twitter within 13 seconds of hearing about it. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell is probably my number. He and uh, Chris Anderson are probably my two favorite authors. So I was very, very excited. Can't wait. 
Yeah, I think we're gonna, we're gonna. It'll, it's almost gonna be like the Beatles. I think we're gonna have like screaming people, you know, out there, you know, <laughs> holding up books, and uh, it's really exciting. But you know what? It, it's so funny. It, it, on its own, obviously, Malcolm Gladwell and Lisa Sanders and David Craig are an incredible story, but. It, it, the, uh, you know, Stephen Rubble, the vice president of Thompson, is also going to be there. Uh, David Howitz, the general counsel of Facebook, is our day two uh, uh, keynote, and that's brought to us by those great people at Case Central. And uh, our, uh, the first day, at don't build your e-discovery program on a digital landfill. I mean, Russ and Stalters, uh, the head of technology for BP, um, you know, Guidance and KPMG are, are delivering that message. It's just uh, it's just an unbelievable lineup of education, and that's just the, and that's just the stuff that we're offering in our in our general sessions, um, and, and, our, and our keynotes. I mean, if you look at the entire, and I urge everyone to look at the the entire educational program. There's you know over 21 and a half uh, CLE credits available three of those being ethics and uh and a lot of that uh uh complementary just for the education obviously uh it would be a great reason for people to come and visit legal tech and henry i understand you also um if i recall correctly on day 1 have a very amazing speaker um uh mohammed el barade if i pronounced it right a nobel laureate who was very actively involved with the united nations can you uh, yep. tell us yep. just a bit about that this is our, our our day 1 general session it takes place at uh 12:45 and yes mohammed el barade he was the former director of the United Nations International Atomic Agency, and uh, very, very involved with putting together the plan um, for location of weapons of mass destruction. He's he's speaking with Peter Warwick, the President, Chief Executive Officer of Thompson Reuters uh, Legal Boy, Division, fantastic. and they're talking about the rule of law, a view from the fault lines of conflict, and the. the the big news about this, obviously, Baraday is an incredible speaker and, and comes with a fantastic pedigree. But this is the, his first speaking engagement after leaving the, the United Nations. So oh, that's fantastic. Um, that is going to be a, a great event. And thanks for reminding me and your listeners uh, about that. Now, we just have another minute or so, but um, I always ask you the question, tell us a little bit about what to expect on the exhibit hall. I assume there will be the usual uh, large number of e-discovery vendors, but uh, what else can our listeners expect from your fabulous exhibit hall? Well, uh, you know, you're you're correct. You know, as usual, um, uh, there's a lot about e-discovery, but, uh, you know, cloud computing and... uh, uh, that advanced record keeping, there, there are a lot of new and interesting technologies out there, um, all surrounding, you know, Web.30 and, uh, and knowledge management. There's a lot of information about internationally discovery, um, advanced subject matter and IT. You know, as usual, um, we've partnered with some great associations. Um, everyone's familiar with our, our arrangements and, and, and uh, our work with with uh, uh, agencies like ILTA, but this year we actually have a new and wonderful affiliate uh, association with ARMA, the uh, the Records Managers Association. They'll have their own um, sessions and track of education, offering not only CLE 
but CRE education, certified record management, or, or CRM, excuse me, uh, uh, education. That's a very good partnership. I can speak personally to that because I was at the ARMA um, conference of the, in 2009, and it was just awesome. We've run out of time. I have a few other things to tell you quickly before we go. Um, at Legal Tech, we hope that you will come to our LTN Awards Dinner. It will be held. It's a, it's a heavy hors d'oeuvres this year. It's a reception held uh, at uh, 6 p.m. on Monday, February 1st. Um, also, we will be doing our editor's breakfast uh, where all the vendors and other interested folks can come and meet some of the East Coast-based ALM editors, followed by our blogger's breakfast. I will be doing two panels on social networking, one on Monday afternoon and one on Tuesday as part of the CIO conference. Hope to see you there. For more information about Legal Tech and the schedules, you can go online to www.legaltechshow.com. And it's my time now as I quickly, because we're running out of time, uh, thank everyone, including Henry Dicker, Cecil Lynn. I want to remind you that you can find Law Technology Now at www.lawtechnologynow.com with our partners at the legaltalknetwork.com that's legaltalknetwork.com on iTunes because we're hip and to thank as always Jill Winward, Lou Ann Reeves, Scott Hess Mike Hockman, Kate Kenny and David Jasper and to remind you all to remember there is no crying in baseball or technology. See you at Legal Tech. Thanks for listening. I'm Monica Bay. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.